Hello and welcome to the Mortal Kombat Minute, the podcast where we analyze, criticize, and memorialize the 1995 film Mortal Kombat, one action-packed minute at a time. I'm Phil Casper. I'm Spanish. And we're from the MortalCombatMinute.com, where you can listen to all of our past episodes of of this entire series. And what a wild ride it's been. Uh, This episode is actually a little bit different. We're calling these episodes our our after credits episodes, credits with a K. We're done. We're done talking about every minute of the movie. I didn't think we'd ever get through it, but we did. So that's cool. It's awesome. (laughs) Uh, But there's more to go on. uh, And... That involves getting uh, special guests on that have a connection to Mortal Kombat in some way, such as our first guest, guest, I should say. Uh, He has been studying martial arts since he was four. He is president of Red Dragon Karate Martial Arts Schools, and he is best known as Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. So, Mr. Chris Kasamasa, welcome to the Mortal Kombat Minute. Hey, guys. It's uh, great to be here. It's really great to have you. This is actually something we've been looking forward to since we've really started this thing. Like, oh, imagine getting, like, Chris Kasamasa on it. Or, 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 you know, like, just just the names we've thrown out, and definitely you are up there to be, uh, to, to be interviewed. So thank you so much for your time. So Phil, start us. Yeah, off. man, listen, I know. And we had some, uh, we had some scheduling, uh, mix ups here in the past. Oh. I'm just happy to make it today. Uh, not, that we're able to do this. No problem at all. Thank God for a recording podcast, right? We can, That's we, can right. we can figure it out <laughs> when you get some, your, your time. So we can figure it out around it. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yes. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Um, I'm, I'm just going to start right off by uh, asking about uh, the the Mortal Kombat movie because that's the whole point why we're why we're here and why we're going over it. Um, and to my understanding, when you were first coming on to Mortal Kombat or auditioning for a role in Mortal Kombat, uh, you were actually auditioning as just to be an extra or or a, or a stuntman. Really, like the the role of Scorpion didn't really even come a come across your mind um and to my to my understanding uh there you put on such an impressive feat uh during the auditions that uh that the role of scorpion kind of kind of came to you can can you can you expand a little bit on that on that story yeah well listen at that at that time it was very early in my career and i had done uh just a few smaller smaller budget projects uh shoot fighter with uh, billy zapka and things like that so I hadn't really established myself uh, in the industry. And so we got the call and it was, like you said, it was for background fighters. And it was the fighters, they were looking for the fighters. And of course you remember the movie, you guys have gone through it minute by minute. <laughs> but where where Goro is uh, fighting uh, Ken in the ring. So they have all those fighters around the ring there and the same part where Goro's fighting Johnny Cage and they have all those guys cheering. Ah. So really that that's what it was for. They were just looking for physically fit martial arts people to um, to fill that role, and I was I'd never been on a big Hollywood production film before. Like I said, I'd done some smaller projects, but uh, so I wanted to you know keep doing it and, and advance in that part of my career. So I go, okay, well, we'll try it, we'll do, it, we'll see what happens. And really, it was just a matter of me being in the right place at the right time, having the talent that they were looking for, that I was able to get that door open to me because you know in hindsight, and I've told this story a few times, but in hindsight. Had they told me that I was auditioning for Scorpion or Sub-Zero or something like that, I probably wouldn't have done what I did 
because I would have been a little more reserved or, or maybe a little more nervous. But when we got there, they told us all the parts have been cast and they're just looking for extras. So I don't know if they told us that to, to make us more at ease or if, it, if that in fact was the case. I, was I like to think it was the case and I like stole the part from somebody, but <laughs> whoever that was, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and they had set up like a kind of a martial arts tournament where, and literally there was, must have been a hundred guys in this room, uh, super talented martial artists. And they just basically was having us come up one or two at a time and just said, just do some of your best stuff. Give us 30 seconds. Give us a minute. And, uh, you know, I, I had been competing on the pro circuit for a number of years. So I was I was well prepared for that moment because I was like 30 seconds, a minute. I, I got this. <laughs> but I want I was watching the guys before me and they, some of them were really, really good. And I'm like, man, I got to do something like this myself apart to because I really wanted to work on a big Hollywood film. So the guys were sitting in the chairs you know, uh, the, the, I don't know if it was, it was casting and couple producers sitting in the chairs and there was three of them and I'm doing my routine and I look at them and I realize they're sitting in, in just regular, you know, folding chairs. I'm like, I can clear these guys. I'm pretty sure I can clear these guys. So I'm doing my routine and about a quarter of the way through, there's a part where I do a, a running jump sidekick. So I just took a few extra steps and jumped over them and did the kick. <laughs> so it was kind of cool because I just remember it like being slow motion, like their heads just kind of tilting up and looking at me. And then I kind of did a dive roll back over them and and uh, and then finished my routine in front of them. So I go, okay, well, hopefully that that impressed them enough. And sure enough, that night I got a call to come back, and they said, hey, why don't you come back tomorrow and and do some more stuff, but bring some weapons. And I'm like, okay, Ooh, cool. Okay. You know, so we went back the second time, and now there's maybe 25 guys, so that the, the herd had been thinned down quite a bit. So I did some of my cool weapon stuff. I did uh, double nunchucks, which I really love, and then a comma, which you probably don't know what that martial arts weapon is, but it's a little like a knife with a handle on it type thing. Go home that night, get another phone call. Hey, we want you to come back. And at this point, I'm thinking, damn, it's hard to be an extra in a Hollywood film. Like I thought they just needed meat. Like they just needed bodies. And I'm like, what the hell, man? So I go back the third day, and there's just three of us. There's me and two other guys standing there in this room and they now they've got to film a movie camera one of those big 35 millimeters sure. and there's a group of people who at the time i had no idea who they were but what i found out was it was the executive producer the casting director the stunt coordinator and the director of the film <laughs> they were all there but you know we didn't know who any of those people were and this is the part of the story where it gets a little weird because sometimes i'm a smart ass and i get myself into trouble so we're standing there and they didn't ask us to do anything they had the camera just kind of filming us and the director walked over and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, I want you guys to just stand there and look strong. And I go, were you nervous okay. at this point? Can I ask you that real quick? Like, not, you, not really. No? It was more perplexed. It's like, what the, what the heck's going on? Yeah. And, and they go, we want you to look strong. So we stood there for a minute and then, then he walked over and goes, Hey, well, you guys, do you want to take off your shirt? And I go, well, listen, if it'll help me get the part, I'll go to your trailer too. <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, so yeah, that, laughter, yeah. that laughter is the appropriate response. But he just looked at me dead, and I go, oh, my God. Like, I totally just said the wrong thing at right. the wrong time. But I was, I was a little nervous at that moment, so I just made a joke to kind of kill the mood. And when I tell the story, people laugh. But it was dead quiet in the room. Oh. You could have heard a pin drop. You're like, Ooh. So I'm like, oh, God. So we took our shirts off, and of course, like I was super in shape at the time. I was competing, like I said. I looked to the left of me, the guy on my left, 
He's got a little bit of a pot belly. Guy on my right, he's kind of in shape, but he's like he's really furry. And and so we're standing there, and they take the camera, and they're just filming us, filming us, filming us. They go into this football huddle for about 30 seconds, which seems like 10 minutes. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm looking yeah. at the other guys. I'm like, this is the weirdest audition I've ever been on in my life. So they talk in there for about 30 seconds. Uh, the director, who was Paul Anderson, who did not like my joke at all, uh, walked up to me, shook my hand, and said, hey, welcome to Mortal Kombat. You're going to be Scorpion. What? Yeah. Wow. It kind of re- happened like that. It was crazy. <laughs> and the funny thing was that when he said that, like, because p- people ask me this all the time, you know, I was a big fan of the video game, and mm-hmm. my two favorite characters were Raiden and Scorpion, in that order. Like, I was a more, more Raiden fan then I was a Scorpion fan. Of course, now that's Switch. It's Scorpion number one, baby. That's fair. But <laughs> at the time, those were my two favorite characters. And I already knew that they had cast Christopher Lambert as Raiden. So I was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see him as that. Um, so it didn't really impact me until I started to walk out of the building. And I turned the doorknob on the building. And I got this big-ass ear-to-ear grin on my face that stayed there for like an hour. I'm like, I'll be so I get home and I call my mom. And I go, mom, guess what? She goes, what, honey? I go, I'm going to be Scorpion. She goes, oh, that's great, honey. Congratulations. What's a Scorpion? Oh, no. Of course. That's every time you like talk to your mom and it's like, oh, that's really nice, honey. What's a Scorpion? Are you hungry? Here's some soup. Yeah, like that's really. (laughs) Um, The story is awesome. I think so. So let's fast forward a little bit. You're on set. Okay. So you're you're, you're now going through uh, probably. I mean, you're, there's probably some stuff you're not used to doing, like, cause before, I mean, what you're used to doing mostly is like stunt work, right? So like all of a sudden they're asking you to like act more than kind of like do, right. I mean, you are, you are an actor, but it's not, it's not something that you were used to doing. Take us through that. Is that, how did you prepare for something that you, well, a, you weren't even had any idea what you were doing. I mean, like kind of going in and all of a sudden, okay, I'm an actor in this movie, in this blockbuster movie. Like, what did you do for yourself at that time to kind of get yourself ready to be Scorpion? Well, a couple things. One, and this is as much of a joke as it is true. <laughs> what got me ready for playing the role of Scorpion were quarters. Oh. Quarters after quarters inside of arcade video games. Oh, Okay. Because I told you I was a fan of the game. I would drive five or ten miles to go play that fucking game. That one and Dragon's Lair yeah. were like my two favorite video games. And they were none of them were close to where I lived. So I had I would have to go and drive. And this was <laughs> anybody listening, this was before home video games even existed. You had to go to an arcade <laughs> and put a quarter in a machine to play a game for like a minute. So that really prepared me because when I got the part, I was like and I go, I just want to do justice to this character. And I, like I said, Raiden and Scorpion were my two favorites. So I had the moves down. Like I was ready. And then the cool thing to, to their credit, the stunt team and the fight coordinating team of Mortal Kombat, the way that they worked was really phenomenal. And, and what the producer Larry Kazanoff did was great. He wanted really talented martial artists in the fighting roles so that A, he didn't have to double them because I mean, it's a blockbuster now, but at the time it, it wasn't. And it had such low expectations. You got to remember Double Dragon came out and tanked. Street yep. Fighter came out and tanked. Uh, there was one other video game uh, that came out, video game to movie that came out, and they all tanked. So Hollywood and the industry itself was like, another video game movie, this thing's going to suck. It's going to tank. You know, And then it came out because of the director, because of the producer and the, what they did on the inside, it really brought it to life. And I mean, the truth of the matter is 
look, it's it's 25 years later. We're still talking about it. <laughs> and thanks to guys like you for doing things like this. But if it was a shitty movie, and I don't know if we can curse, but if, if it was if it was a crappy <laughs> movie, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, right? There's not a you know, it, there's not a Double Dragon podcast. You know <laughs> Maybe I mean? not so, yet. Maybe we could yeah, do that, not, but no, not probably yet. not. There probably will be after this. I'm going to go, F you, Chris. Yeah. Um, but so that, you know, and, and listen, I've been doing martial arts my entire life. So I was prepared. Again, opportunity meets preparation. I was a competitor on tour, and all the pieces just kind of aligned for me to pop into that role and, and do the right thing. I had done some acting stuff, but really, early in my career, I got some great advice from uh, one of the guys who's actually one of the fight coordinators on the film. He said to me very early in my career, he goes, Chris, listen, they can take a great actor and make him look like a martial artist, but they can't take a great martial artist and make him look like an actor. So take acting lessons. Yeah. I took that advice and I did it. And it's really, it's really helped me. And it was, it was sound advice. Cool. Wow. Uh, well, um, one, I'm, I'm going to call a quick audible, I guess, because in the movie, there was one thing that always bugged me. And I've and it's been <laughs> digging in the back of my mind ever since I saw it uh, whenever I was probably like eight years old. Um, you mean the fact that Scorpion lost? Yeah, it's been bugging me for 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> yes. No, well, I, well, well, baddie, you know, baddie. Not only that, Hollywood. but really there was only <laughs> one Scorpion fight in the entire movie. Because when we go back and we see like the Feast of Heroes where Shang Tsung says, you know, hey, here's a taste of things to come. I hmm. see, I, I remember seeing Scorpion and Sub-Zero walking down, ushering in their own lines of fighters um, and, and lining the, the dining hall clearing it out and then we get to see the exhibition fight of sub-zero and get to see his cool powers and then as soon as i saw that happen i'm like oh yes we're gonna get to see scorpion fight next and then it never came and that just that bummed me out ever since was there supposed to be some sort of additional like scorpion fight scene or anything like that or or was it just in the in the forest and then in another realm no, it was supposed to be, there was supposed to be some other stuff there, but as films get into production, they get behind schedule, things have to get cut. We had actually shot a few things of me doing a couple things down in there. It ended up on the cutting room floor and it just didn't really make a lot of sense for them to, to have that in there. Um, mm -hmm. and, a, and a funny story about that. So, you know, the fight scene between Johnny Cage and I starts in the forest in Thailand mm -hmm. and then it ends up mm -hmm. in Scorpion's Lair. The thing that most people don't know is Scorpion's Lair never existed in the original script and the original concept. Right. Uh, right. We were supposed to do the entire fight in Thailand. They ran out of time. We had to come back to the States. That fight scene, Lyndon and I worked on that thing for three. I was in Thailand for three weeks. I worked for one day because I was like, am I working today? No, we got to shoot this. No, we got to shoot this. But we practiced every single day. We had that fight dialed in and we were ready to go. And we ran out of time. They go, oh, we're just going to end it. He's going to do the jump kick on you and you're dead. And I went, what? you're kidding. That's how Scorpion goes out. Seriously. And, and you're like, and, that, so this and, is, and so that's this how is, you make a shitty the, movie. Like that's where you're at. <laughs> that's ex well, that's exactly right. So well, we were really yeah. bummed out, Lyndon and I, but we get it. You know, we understand. Yeah. I was more bummed out than Lyndon because he was Johnny Cage. So he had way more parts in it than me. But uh, so we did it. We shot it. They took that film with that version of the fight scene to screening audiences. And this is why I love doing stuff for any of my fans. Because of the fan lash, lashing out, 
Here's what happened. The producers told me this. They said, we showed this version with you getting hit with a kick, one kick from Lyndon and getting killed. He goes, our screening audience stood up, threw their popcorn at the screen and said, this would never happen and walked out. He goes, and it didn't happen once. It happened every time we showed it. And I go, I told you. Told you. <laughs> no. So he goes, he goes, all right, so we're going to do these reshoots. So we ended up getting an extra three, almost four weeks of work. They built that entire set inside of an airport hangar in Santa Monica, California. And we spent a month in there shooting that whole Scorpion's Lair thing. So, I mean, something bad happened, something good came out of it, and it ended up, you know, at least – I'm going to hope that you guys think so, but I think so too. Probably one of the best fights in the whole movie. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah, there's there's not a doubt in my mind that that was, it's one of the best scenes because especially when you have uh, uh, Lyndon Ashby first walk through the forest and then and then you kind of come out and do your little, like uh, kind of a cartwheel, if you will. Um, and, and then you kind of set up as, as, a, as a fan of Mortal Kombat, as, as somebody that plays the video games and have been playing the video games since, since the first Mortal Kombat, when that happened, like as, as a kid, I mean, I, I was a kid then, I, I looked at it and my eyes were glued to the screen. I knew it. I was like, this, it's finally happening because the only thing we really got other than the one scene of what, what Phil just mentioned was when you guys were on the, the, uh, the, like the, the basement boat. of the boat. The boat so, yeah. but we, so we got to see the, um, the, the kunai come out, which is not really a kunai. I, it's more of a dragon. I don't, yeah, creature thing, it, yeah. which isn't really exactly, uh, true to the video game. So I would imagine that that's just some movie magic that they kind of, they wanted a little flair. I totally get it. And it worked though. It really well, did Well, no, work. no, no. That's no? actually one, most people don't know this. That's one of the reasons why I got the part is I can actually make that creature come out of my hand. Oh, let's, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And it, my head would explode if that was the case. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but, okay. Go ahead, Phil. It, actually, uh, Spanish. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, if I remember correctly, it, is there something special about like the flourish that 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 scorpion does whenever he's about to throw out that that can I? I thought I remembered seeing that. Um, you just get a, over in another here. interview. Well, uh, like, actually, you know what? Let, 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 let me let me piggyback off that. Um, okay. The the line "get over here" um, is is credited towards Ed Boon, who is half yep. co creator of Mortal Kombat. Um, mm -hmm. Did did you record that line at, at at a certain point, and did they replace it with Ed Boon, or was that not even a thought? And they later said, "You know what? We should add this." What what is the story behind that? Well, when we were filming and doing it, I had to do the I had to do the I had to say it. Get right? Okay, and so you did say the mask, it. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. They and they couldn't wire me with a with a mic with the outfit and all that, so I, I was saying it, but the sound really wasn't going to pick it up. Sure. But I, I really, I, as much as I would have loved to it. Sort of to bend my voice in the movie, I think it made more sense to keep it as close to the game as possible to have Ed do it. Because, you know, for fans of the game, you hear that and you're like, oh my God, it sounds just like the video game, which is cool. So, you know, I, I didn't mind that it wasn't my voice at that time. What was cool was when we did the Mortal Kombat uh, TV show, when we did the animated series, uh, then I got to do the voice, I got to voice it, which was kind of fun and kind of cool. Uh, at that point but for the movie yeah it was totally ed that i had to say it while we were filming so yeah. they knew where to put it in but uh yeah it was his voice i guess that, that does make sense um was ed boone ever on set and and, and if he was what kind of guy is he because we only see him with like a, a few interviews and you don't really hear a lot from ed boone so 
you know. Yeah, if, if he was, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't remember meeting. Okay. He may uh, have been, but um, I don't remember meeting him. Okay, all right. So, Ed, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> oh, he's fine. Don't uh, worry. I, he's working on Mortal I Kombat 12 have... at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do have one, uh, at least, uh, qu- uh, other question uh, regarding the forest, um, and one word springs to mind: um, cobras. does that uh, does that ring a bell at all it certainly does because they hired a crew with drums and fire sticks to go through the brush and clear them out before every shot uh, which was weird and we thought it was a joke Lyndon and i thought it was a joke at first until we actually saw them doing it and then you can hear slither away so when you see us moving fast in the forest it's not because we're trying to fight we're just trying to stay away from the damn snakes wow oh wow um uh, you want to follow anything up with that phil oh no i just wanted to hear the story <laughs> <laughs> all right well okay so uh, again you're on set i i think you were there you said three weeks you said um in that three weeks is there a story that we haven't heard this is you know this is the reason why we're, we're interviewing we want to we want to hear something we've never heard before is there something that happened behind the scenes that maybe you thought was funny other than of course you're lying to when uh you know do it doing your uh your uh uh, trailer after but like is there is there is there something that you remember that uh that no one really knows about and uh well that i think i want to know about that's right. <laughs> sure i give you a little bit you'd have to you'll have to go back and watch the movie as you guys have oh, yeah. uh, many times but when kano is getting ready to fight sonya and he's walking out of that little temple building into the sand area when the camera follows him out me and uh, Hakeem Alston, who played the fighting monk that fights Robin in the beginning with the stick. Yeah, mm, right. Uh, him and I are really good friends. But we were inside that building trying to make Trevor laugh every time he walked out. And they had to do that scene about a dozen times. Finally, they told Hakeem and I, you need to go. You need to get out of here. Because we would just say dumb shit to him or we'd tickle him just before he walked out. And and he would start, he'd come out and he's supposed to be tough and he'd, yeah. he'd be laughing. That's so yeah. good. Well, and it's funny because he did kind of have a lap. You know, he's got that hello, baby. You know, right? Ear to ear. You know, I, I, yeah, I could, I could probably uh, voice every line or, <laughs> at this point. But okay, that's awesome. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Phil, uh, were you? Did you uh, do any wire stunts, or was that like I full did. Of, Like, was that for stuntmen? Nope. I got to do. Nope? I got okay. to do it all. And again, the, the stunt crew and stunt rigging crew there was really phenomenal, you know, and they, they allowed me to do it. Because, listen, I'm, I'm as much of a fan of the movies and the movie industry as I am happy to be part of it, right? So I dig getting behind the scenes and, and doing seeing just really the inner workings. Now, on the flip of that, it kind of, it kind of ruins the movie-going experience for me <laughs> because now when I watch a movie, right. I'm like, I know how they did yeah, that. Yeah. I how they did that. But I love seeing a movie and going, I have no idea how they did that. Like, for example, that movie 1917 – that war movie? Oh, you guys yeah, see yeah. That? I haven't seen oh, that yet. Yes. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. heard, I've heard good things. Yeah, Dude, I've heard. I have no idea how they did that. All one shot like that, the way they – that was spectacular. But anyway, so, yeah, I got to do the wire work. I got to do all that. I volunteered for it, and they're like, we can get a double for you. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I want to do it. I want to do it. The only thing I didn't do, the only stunt I didn't do, there were two of them I didn't do. Uh, one, because I was like, no way in hell do I want to do that. And then the other one is because they brought somebody way better than me in to do it. Um, the one stunt I didn't do is where, uh, Johnny, uh, cage catches my kick. I hit him a few times. He throws, he throws backflip or no, it's, I'm standing on, I'm standing on him. He throws me back and I, I hit that 
pull that bar with your back, shins with both of yeah. my legs with my yeah. shins. Yeah. Yeah. So when they yeah. said that's the sun, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, that's nah. not me. I ain't doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. So they they brought in a, a, another guy on the stunt team to do that because uh, I didn't want to. Absolutely not. But the one I wanted to do that they didn't want me to do because they go, if you get hurt, we can't replace you. Was the double flip off the platform after I knock Cage down? That was actually Olympic medalist Mitch Gaylord. They brought wow. him in to do that, and so they go, "Well, we got Mitch Gaylord." I'm like, "All right, I, I can't match that." Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that's, that works for me. <laughs> that works for me. Uh, and that and, and, that and, also gives you kind of clout too, because you're like, "Yeah, Mitch Gaylord, my stunt double, no big deal." Yeah, he's my double. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's good. Um, Okay, so you you we're, we're spending all this time talking about Mortal Kombat, but you know you you have more of a career. Uh, I see in your background actually, uh, obviously you, you have the masks of Scorpion, you have a figure of Scorpion. Obviously, you're, it looks like your kid's picture. I would imagine you have a pop of yep. Scorpion, but the top right corner there, I see a black cowl, and it's Batman. And I just want to know: is George Clooney a cool guy? Because you. <laughs> All the all the things you hear about George Clooney about being a cool guy and nice guy are hundred percent true. Is that true? Okay. He was okay. he was one of the nicest guys I met. Uh, he got really really nicer after he saw what we were going to be doing in the bat suit because uh, he's like, "You're going to make me look good." I go, "Yes, sir. That is my job. It is to make you look good." Yeah. And so yeah, he, he's totally a nice guy. I got to have lunch with him. Uh, it was really cool. Really cool experience. And you are pretty much the only person that I know of to wear the scorpion outfit and the bat suit. Like that, that is just comprised of one person. And that is comprised and of one person. I'm, I'm probably one of maybe, maybe a dozen, 15 people on the planet to ever wear the bat suit itself. So it's a pretty small pool of people to and, do it. And, very strict. Well, and then, then if you go from there and say, you know, who, who's worn the bat suit and the scorpion uh, on on screen? Well, one, right? That's you. That's it. Yep, that's so let's correct. go with that one. That's a better number anyway. Number one. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. So what about that? Because uh, you know, there's three weeks at Mortal Kombat. How long? How many? How long did you work on the set uh, for Batman and Robin? Well, by the way, Mortal Kombat, three weeks was just Thailand. I was oh, on I see what you're run. saying. It was like a three-month experience of filming from beginning oh, my to end. Oh, my apologies. Rehearsals, yeah, rehearsals, pre-production, all like that. Like, we spent, uh, it, was a, it was a great time there. And they, you know, you may have heard this, but they say that making a movie is like having a baby. It takes about nine months, right? You got, you got two to three months in pre-production. You got three, two to three months in filming and another two to three months where they're doing the marketing and advertising while they're editing and, and doing trailers and things like that. So yeah. it's, it's a process from, from inception to, to release date. Uh, so I was, you know, again, fortunate to be able to work on pretty much the whole production for that Batman and Robin, same thing. I got to work on the majority of that. Um, but again, so scaling up, right. I had never worked in a big Hollywood film. Mortal Kombat was at that time a $26 million project, something like that, which was big budget back in that day. But Batman that was two years later after Mortal Kombat, it was a hundred million dollar film, which today is like nothing. Like that's starting budgets sure. for most of these comic books. But again, it was a huge budget at the time. That Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman, Alisa Silverstone, Chris O'Donnell. You know, had a huge cast. So to be able to work on that, I mean, that was a that and wearing the bat suit. I'm, you know, Scorpion is so iconic, and, and I'm so blessed with the fans and everything. But having the ability to wear to wear the bat suit to work on a, a film with that big of a budget, I got to say. It was really cool, and it took – you know, when I put the bat suit on – I didn't put it on, by the way. It was a team of three people that helps you put oh, the suit yeah. on. 
and it takes almost 30 minutes from start to finish to get that thing on and get it set. And then you're not allowed to be in the suit for longer than three hours because it's skin tight rubber and leather and it weighs about 25, 30 pounds. So you immediately start to sweat and all the sweat gathers in your boots and you will get dehydrated. You know, they in the first couple of Batman films before the one I did, they had problems with this. Some of the stunt guys and even the actors, Michael Keaton famously once said, like, I'll never wear the Batsuit again because it was so confining and restricting. And so you can only be in it for three hours. They have to take you out there. You have like these strict rules and things like that. But the first thing that you do when you have the suit on and they're like, okay, you're ready for set. First thing you do is you stop and you find a mirror <laughs> and you go stand in front of it and you just say, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then yeah. you go to set. Let me, okay. Let me ask, real quick. Th th this is a quick one, Phil. You go right after this. I oh, promise. Um, okay. It, it was weird to a lot of us. The first time you looked at the, in your, yourself in the mirror as Batman, obviously I'm Batman. Um, it, it's something that I, I think I have bothered any, anyone that's ever seen that movie. Um, is is the Batman nipples? Uh, I, I know it, it's it's weird to mention, and it's uh, and it's I'm almost embarrassed to ask about it. But you had them as well in that bat suit. Did that look weird? Was that like weird up close, or did, were you just like, yeah, bat nipples? Like, what? Where are we? You know, I, it, we, they had joked about it on the set. Yeah. I really didn't pay a lot of attention to okay. it. I think okay. more attention was paid to it after the fact. Um, but uh, yeah, and what the other cool thing was the, the so they gave me a suit to rehearse in, right? We couldn't rehearse in the in what they call the beauty suits, which are the ones they use for close-ups and things like that when he's walking to the screen. So our rehearsal suits were the suits from the previous movie. So the movie previous to ours was the one Val Kilmer was Batman in. Yeah. So it was cool because in the front of my suit, in the chest plate, it just said the word Kilmer. <laughs> so it was really neat to be able to to be able to wear that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually want to transition, uh, from the, from the actor to now, I guess the, 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 the businessman, the martial artist, uh, in a way you, so you have, if I remember correctly, 15 karate studios, uh, well, martial arts studio, 12. 12. Okay. <laughs> Added a couple we're on track there. for 15. If we can get out of this oh. darn COVID thing, oh. we're on track for 15, hopefully by the end of 21. Right. Um, and to my to my understanding, after uh, after Mortal Kombat uh, uh, wrapped up, Lyndon Ashby actually went to be a student at one of your schools. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Again, someone really okay. dedicated to his craft. And, you know, there's a lot of actors that'll that'll give you lip service. But uh, Lyndon's one of those guys that that really walk the walk and, and uh, not just talk the talk. So he trained with me for almost two years, I think, after the movie wrapped. And uh, mm -hmm. he almost got to Black Belt. He got a little bit over halfway to Black Belt. So he was doing good. But then, he, you know, he's a busy actor, so he booked other stuff. And it was really hard just to get our schedules uh, to work out. But we do stay in contact to, the, to this day. Well, that's good. I mean, that was just like you. You know, you, you had to go and take some acting classes just to kind of, you know, shine, shine it up a little bit. You know, he took some, yeah. he took some fighting courses to, to, you know, shine up what he, what he needed. So, you know, no, that, that, okay, let's, let's talk about you. You actually mentioned COVID and I hate to bring it up, but obviously everyone's kind of talking about it when it comes to a business, like what you run. I mean, there, there is, people are breathing hard. People are, I mean, I guess it's any, anything just like a, uh, any type of workout facility, but like, and you got uh, close contact as yeah, well. I mean, I mean, I mean, so how do you, how do you guys do it? Uh, is there testing involved? I, I don't want to bore people too much with the, with the minutia, but I, but I know it's important to a lot of people and especially with the 12 different businesses you show, uh, like what, what do you, what are you guys doing to kind of keep everyone safe? I guess that's really what I'm saying. 
Well, today it's a lot easier than it was back in March and April. Sure. When first got shut down. There was a lot of unknown, a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of panic. We just didn't know what it was or, or really have a handle on it. It's a little bit easier now. Uh, fortunately, what we do in our style, our system translates very well onto Zoom. And while it's not ideal, it did work. And it's really what helped keep our business surviving and, and thriving throughout the initial first four or five, six months of the pandemic itself. Where, and not to bore your audience, but where a lot of martial arts and gym owners went wrong was A, they thought this was going to go away in 30 days. B, a lot of them were kind of old school, and I don't believe in this modern technology. Zoom is stupid. Google Hangouts are dumb. That doesn't work. And those people, unfortunately, and makes my heart break, but they're gone. They're out of business. Yeah. They're broke. They're bankrupt because they failed to pivot, right? So in any business industry, you've got to have an adapt or die mentality because if you don't, then you're going to suffer the consequences of that. So you know, if there's any, I don't know if there's any martial arts schoolers that listen to your podcast, but if they are and you still are on Zoom, it's not too late. Like you've got to pivot. You've got to do it now. Hopefully the vaccine comes out and gets out to more and more and more people and we get out of this in the next two, three months. Nobody knows really. And unfortunately, we've got, you know, we don't have the, the best leadership in the country. And all I can control is me, my mindset and the people who look to me and trust me to take care of their kids in the best way that we can. Cool. And to that point, too, to that point, listen, my studio is safer and more clean and sanitized than any freaking Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot or smoke shop or liquor store that's allowed to be open. Like we're way safer than any of that. And we save lives. We don't take them like a smoke shop does. We save right. them. We help kids from being depressed or committing suicide or getting bullied or, or, or getting out of, out of uh, shape and putting so much weight on that they get high blood pressure and diabetes and heart, you know, palpitations because they put on so much weight. Like, we're the opposite of that. Yeah. So it's a it's kind of a fun. I don't mean to get in my soapbox. No, that. by all means, this is why you're here. You give me a platform. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> vent a little bit about it. No, you're fine. You're fine. I'm glad I'm glad you could I'm, because like you know that that's something that we kind of all, uh, you know, we're we're all learning as we go. So like you know, right. so I get it. I totally understand. Go ahead, Phil. Sorry. <laughs> and no, no, no worries. And I'm actually glad that you brought up uh, bullying, Chris, because um, and once again, I I appreciate the time that you're spending with us to have this interview. I don't want to take up too much of your time. We're almost uh, done. I promise. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to definitely leave this, this podcast episode without mentioning, uh, the book that you have out, uh, Bullyproof fitness, um, that like, I, unfortunately I haven't gone through the entire thing of it, but I've been reading through it because, uh, even though I am not a parent, I do, uh, part of my day job is actually working in the school system. Uh, so I, um, I want to see potentially if I can recommend this to any of my higher ups, my, my, de uh, decision makers at my organization to see if we can instill some sort of program. Um, but, uh, but do you want to, do you want to talk about, uh, your, your book with bully, bullyproof fitness and what the goal is with that and, and, and where you're wanting to go with that venture? Yes. And again, not, not to bore your fans because I will talk about this until the, <laughs> the end of time, because really part of my. My mission and passion and purpose right now is to my what the goal I've set for myself is to help a million kids become bullyproof and fit by the year 2025. And before COVID started, I was on track to do just that. Uh, roughly 65,000 kids so far have gone through some of our bullyproof training and have been bullyproof certified. The bullyproof program that we do and that I created, it works 
two ways. One, obviously kids that are being bullied, what to do, how to deal with it, what to say, what not to say, what not to do, how to take and communicate with your parents and with your teachers at your school. That's the obvious part. But the part that never really gets touched on with other bully programs versus mine is I'm also out there trying to and successfully course correcting the kids who are on the path to becoming bullies. Right. Part of my thing is I, I turn them from super bullies into superheroes because I've taught them how and I teach them through my talks how to flip the script. I give them examples of behavior that can classify them as a bully, things that are leading them down the path. And I can see when I look out of that audience, the kid the look on their kid's face when they're like, oh, my God, I'm doing exactly what he says. That light bulb moment is powerful because it changes their life where they they're going to end up you know, in jail or in prison or in trouble or getting kicked out of school. And I can help. Them. Now, listen, uh, between me and you, if I help one kid change their life for the better, I'm the happiest dude in the world. Absolutely. But one's cool. A million's way cooler. And yeah. that's really what I'm trying to do to hit bullying from both sides. Because, listen, I'm gonna, I have kids, so I'm going to be honest with you. And I was a kid. You were a kid. Sometimes kids are evil little bastards. <laughs> and not because they're evil little bastards, just because they don't know better. There's no yeah. filter. Right. Whatever's in their head, they just blah, they blurt it out. And, you know, they, so they don't even realize what they're doing. And, you know, there's other people out there that are that are doing the bully fight and, and trying to help and more power to them because I can't impact, you know, every kid in the world, but I'm going to try. So it's it's powerful and it's important. It is it's an epidemic that has been brought to light at least finally in the last three, four years, more and more now. Um, so I'm going to keep trying to shine a light on it until we basically can eradicate it. Awesome. Same way they're trying to eradicate COVID. Yeah, well, well, we too, too bad there isn't a vaccine for that. Well, let's, let's get a vaccine. Yeah, well, listen, maybe, to bring it full circle, is. It is, it, it, to bring it full circle back to martial arts and movies, it is my opinion, just because I've seen it in so many kids, that if everyone in the world trained in martial arts, the world would be a much better place because the respect, the discipline, the focus, the courtesy that you learn through training in the martial arts, it's responsible for everything I've done in my life, for every 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 success that i've had every goal that i've accomplished i would have never been able to do that had it not been for the things that i learned as a child in the martial arts great wow wow i'm that's... gonna drop the mic on that yeah that's... <laughs> um well okay well real quick before you leave before we let you go can i do my thing phil you ready for that yeah yeah of okay course. uh I, I i do a little this or that so i'm just gonna say that you know this or that and then you tell me which one you like either like better love better hate more whatever you want okay you ready? Okay. Sure. Mario or Sonic? Mario. Pop or soda? Soda. Okay. Luke Hang or Shang Tsung? Oh, uh, that's not fair. I like both those guys. They're both <laughs> friends. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to go Luke Hang. Okay. Good over evil. Good, good. Okay. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles, baby. <laughs> Um, put it in order of, of uh, favorite to least favorite Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo. <laughs> That's the order. Leonardo's my sword guy. Okay. So I, I dig swords. Right on, right on. Okay. Uh, do you believe in aliens? I believe that if we believe we're the only intelligent life in this universe, we're fooling ourselves. It's a great line. I, I agree with that. Uh, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I believe in a spirit of some kind being around potentially. I would, I, I shouldn't say this because I'll probably end up having a nightmare tonight, but <laughs> I'd, I'd like to like, for me, seeing is believing. Like there's so many people like, yeah. I believe in ghosts. I'm like, 
you know, and sometimes you get those chills in the back of your neck and things sure. like that, but okay. I don't know. All right, all right. That's a good guess. I'll take that answer. To be determined. To be determined. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, and last one, uh, if you had an option for one superpower, what would it be? Immortality. Really? You'd like to live forever? Okay. All right. I, I, yeah. I, I do and not share I'm that. Back that up with, <laughs> if I couldn't have that one. The ability to fly. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, right. Okay. Flying. Right. Like fly. I guess me it would be like flying or invisibility. I don't know. Like I can just. In yeah, invisibility would be cool. <laughs> That'd be fun, right? Wouldn't that be fun? So yeah. Um. Well, that that's all I have, Phil. You want you want anything else for for Chris? Thank you so much for the time, oh, no. man. Yeah, Chris, thank you. Thank you so very much for your time. Uh. Yeah, it was a a little bit of back and forth, but we finally like made it happen, <laughs> and like you've like. You you seriously kind of, in a way, made my my dreams come true because if I would have told my eight year old self, hey, <laughs> one day, it, like in twenty twenty one, you're gonna be uh, interviewing uh, Scorpion uh, through the internet, um, I would have never believed myself. So so thanks so much for coming on. Okay. First, you would have said, "What's so the internet? Appreciate. What's yeah? What's the internet? Yeah, that's true." Uh, oh, actually, you know what? Real quick, if there's one thing you could say to your Scorpion fans out there, what would it be? I'm putting you on the spot right now. Hey, uh, if I I would say thank you. Listen, uh, being on shows like this, doing interviews, uh, I couldn't do any of it if it wasn't for the fans, if it wasn't for the support of them. And I've been getting actually a ton of fan art lately, which is actually really cool. I saw that on your uh, Instagram. Shout outs on my Instagram. Um, I appreciate all the artists. I appreciate all the love. Like, and I'm, I'm happy to give back and help out. You know, artists, although I'm a martial artist, I like helping artists of all kinds. You guys are artists doing a podcast, which is why I'm happy to be on this show. So really, the one thing I want to say to everyone is just thank you. I appreciate you all. Well, we appreciate you, Chris. Seriously, thank you so much for your time. Phil, let's wrap it. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, you can find uh, Chris Casamasa on just about any social network, right? Uh, Chris, I'll include... I'll include all the links in our show notes. So, so if you if you're listening to this or watching it, uh, the links will be in the notes uh, for all wherever you can follow Chris. Um, but yeah, I mean, once again, thanks so much for listening, watching wherever you are. I'm Phil. I'm Spanish. You're Chris, and I'm Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was an I'm, that was a good I'm Batman line. You should have. Th- oh, it doesn't matter. Ah. <laughs> And we'll it's see you Batman. next time. It's not on the Batman podcast. That's fair. That's fair. It's not. <laughs> but with that, we'll see you next time on the Mortal Kombat Minute.